Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson, and his wife, Carlotta, and daughter, Hannah Miller. So listen up, because the doctor is in. Welcome to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson, bringing to you biblical insights and stories from the country doctor's rusty, dusty scrapbook. Today, we're going to take up where we left off last week, talking about repurposed drugs for the treatment of cancer. We're reviewing the monologue, Cancer Care, by Dr. Paul Merrick. I might add that Dr. Merrick is one of the most highly published physicians in the United States, and I have a great deal of respect for Dr. Merrick, and I have much appreciated following his research during the COVID crisis, and I very much appreciate the monologue that he produced on cancer care. And just so you'll know, there are over 800 footnotes in the cancer care monologue documenting uh, the, the research that was put into this monologue. Now, last week, we talked about some of the statistics on cancer, the finances that are put into cancer treatment. We talked about the genetic uh, theories regarding cancer cause and the metabolic concept of what causes cancer and how we can treat uh, cancer with nutritional therapy and repurposed drugs. Well, today, what I want to do is I want to give a summary of repurposed drugs for treating cancer. And the way this is arranged by Dr. Merrick is he has three tiers of repurposed drugs. The first tier is those with a strong recommendation. I'm not going to talk about tier two or tier three because their recommendations are weaker, and we just really don't have time to discuss them. The tier one drugs have strong evidence for their effectiveness, and I'm going to list them for you, and then we're going to come back and talk about them individually. The, the medications in tier one include vitamin D3, melatonin, green tea catechins, metformin, curcumin, mabendazole, omega-3 fatty acids, berberine, atorvastatin, disulfiram, cimetidine, mistletoe, and sildenafil. So these are the ones that are in the tier one uh, list, and these have strong recommendations. So let's talk about these individually. All right, vitamin D3 has a very strong recommendation for treating not only cancer, but also heart disease. And as I told you last week, probably 60% of my patients uh, whom I measure their vitamin D level will be deficient. Uh, Normal is considered 30 nanograms per milliliter. um, And it's not unusual for my patients to be in the 20s or even the teens when I measure them. When they're that deficient, my patients often complain of fatigue and sometimes muscle pain or muscle cramps. And once I provide them with adequate supplementation, the fatigue improves, the muscle cramps improve, but it often takes three months or more for those symptoms to abate, 
and for the uh, vitamin D level to become 30 or more. Dr. Marrick recommends a level of 50 to 70 for cancer prevention and 70 to 90 in patients who actually have cancer. So achieving those levels can be somewhat difficult. Uh, the treatment level, uh, I mean, sorry, the treatment dose is 50,000 IUs weekly with a loading dose of as much as 100,000 or 200,000 to get the ball rolling. So vitamin D deficiency has been demonstrated to increase the risk of breast cancer and other cancers as well, such as Hodgkin's lymphoma, colon cancer, pancreatic, prostate, ovarian, and other cancers. And patients are more likely to die from those cancers if their vitamin D level is deficient as compared with people uh, who have uh, normal or supranormal levels of vitamin D. Studies that measure the vitamin D level uh, suggest that achieving vitamin D levels of 80 would reduce cancer incidence rates by as much as 70%. So it's very important to try to get those vitamin D levels up as high as possible. So what kind of uh, cancers can be treated um, by vitamin D's levels that are 70 to 90? Um, the studies show that it's beneficial, particularly in patients with breast cancer, colorectal, gastric, esophageal, lung, and prostate cancers, as well as those with lymphomas and melanomas. All right, so there we go. That's your vitamin D. Second one he recommends is melatonin. We talked a little bit about melatonin last week. So Low melatonin levels have been implicated in the etiology of certain or the cause of certain cancers. Disruption of nocturnal melatonin secretion in night shift workers has been associated with a modestly increased risk for breast and other cancer types. Melatonin exerts cytotoxic, anti-mitotic, and pro-apoptotic actions in breast cancer cells. That word apoptotic means to destroy the cell or cause the cell to implode. Uh, in addition, melatonin activates cancer cell apoptosis. There's that word again where the, the cell implodes. So it, it melatonin activates cancer cell implosion or destruction. So there's the benefit of melatonin. And it also, melatonin also inhibits the proliferation of cancer stem cells. So you see there's multiple benefits of melatonin. So what kind of uh, cell uh, cancers does melatonin work against? Melatonin is beneficial for breast cancer, ovarian, pancreas, liver, kidney, oral, stomach, colon, rectum, brain, lung, prostate, head and neck, and various leukemias and sarcomas. So there you go. There are multiple cancers that can respond to melatonin. Now, how do you take melatonin? You need to start with a very low dose, like one milligram. Use the slow-release version and then gradually increase the dose. It's best taken one hour before 
going to bed, and you can increase the dose up to 20 or 30 milligrams if you want to. Uh, you can't overdose on melatonin. If you increase the dose too quickly, uh, you might experience nightmares. So you have to be careful with going up on the dose. You have to do it slowly. So there's the, do the dosing and the uh, benefit of melatonin. So now let's talk a little bit about green tea. Green tea is uh, epigallocatechin gallate. Epigallocatechin gallate. It's abbreviated EGCG. All right. Now, green tea catechins have been proven to be effective in inhibiting cancer growth in multiple different ways. Uh, so, it, it, and it is especially good if it's combined with phytochemicals like resveratrol. And I'm not going to go into all the ways that it works because it's a little complicated. And it's just, if you're a biochemist or a medical personnel, I would encourage you to read Dr. Marek's uh, monologue because he goes into a great deal of detail about how the green tea catechins actually work in preventing cancer cell growth and spread. So what are the, uh, the cancers that uh, green tea catechins work for? They're effective against a range of tumors, including prostate, breast, uterus, ovarian, colorectal, gliomas, liver, and gallbladder, melanoma, and lung cancers. They, they're particularly beneficial for prostate cancer and breast cancer. So how do we dose green tea catechins? They should be taken in a dose of 500 to 1,000 milligrams once a day with food or after a meal, but not on an empty stomach. It's rarely been associated with liver toxicity. So you have to do this in conjunction with your family doctor, and you have to monitor your liver enzymes. Even though it's rare, it's still wise to check uh, your liver enzymes, and if you've got underlying liver disease, it's probably not a good idea to use the green tea extract. All right, the next one on the list is metformin. There are multiple trials that show that taking metformin inhibits the development of cancer cells and reduces cancer cell proliferation. Now, metformin, as you know, is used for treating diabetes and uh, PCOS, and so there's multiple uses for metformin, not just treating diabetes. It also helps with treating insulin resistance, which is important for treating people by a nutritional metabolic pathway who have cancer. And metformin is beneficial for treating multiple types of cancers. For example, breast cancer, pancreatic, gastric, colorectal, endometrial, pancreatic, prostate, non-small cell lung cancer, and bladder cancers. The greatest benefit may be in patients with colorectal and prostate cancer, particularly when used as an adjunctive therapy. So how do we dose it? A dose of metformin of 1,000 milligrams twice a day is the suggested dose. It's a remarkably safe drug with very few side effects. The most common adverse effect is stomach cramps or loose stools. 
sometimes cough, sometimes hoarseness, sometimes decreased appetite. And so you need to take this in conjunction with your family doctor, And uh, but it, it is a very effective anti-tumor slash anti-cancer medication. The next tier one drug with good medical evidence for anti-cancer activity is curcumin, popularly called curry powder or turmeric. It's a polyphenol extract from curcuma longa, curcuma longa. It has antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, antimicrobial, antiviral, and anti-cancer properties. Now, isn't that amazing that the one compound can have all of those benefits? And I won't go into all the things that all the anti-cancer mechanism, and there are numerous, uh, about seven different anti-cancer mechanisms that cucurbin has. And the monograph goes into all of those in great detail, and it's just too much for... uh, our discussion. But what kind of cancers is it beneficial for? Colorectal, lung, pancreas, breast, prostate, chronic myeloid leukemia, liver, gastric, brain, ovarian, skin, head and neck, lymphoma, esophageal cancer, and myeloma. This product, curcumin, has been characterized as generally safe by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. No toxicity is seen for doses up to 8 to 10 grams per day. However, diarrhea can be a frequent side effect, especially if the daily dose exceeds 4 grams. Hepatic injury, hepatitis, is a rare complication, and therefore liver function tests should be monitored during long-term use. So, there you have it. You need to watch out for that. One other caveat is it does have some anticoagulant effects and may prolong bleeding in people using anticoagulants. So if you're on uh, Xarelto or Eliquis or Coumadin, you need to be careful if you're considering taking curcumin. Now, what about mabendazole? Now, that's a big one. Many of you have heard Joe Tippin's story or read about it on the Internet. He had a, a non-small cell uh, cancer of the lung. Joe Tippin took mabendazole, and I, I, I think he took a few other things along with it, or at least he's added some things to his current protocol that he recommends, but he overcame non-small cell cancer of the lung taking mabendazole. So mabendazole is an anti-parasite drug, and it has multiple ways that it works And it works very well against multiple cancers, including non-small cell lung cancer, adenocortical, colorectal, chemo-resistant melanoma, glioblastoma multiforme, which is a uh, a brain cancer, colon, leukemia, osteosarcoma, soft tissue sarcoma, acute myeloid sarcoma, breast cancer, kidney cancer, and ovarian carcinoma. All of these have been shown to be responsive to benzimidazoles, which is what mabendazole is. So what are the, the dosing? The suggestion from this monograph is 100 to 200 milligrams a day. The cost of mabendazole in the U.S. has skyrocketed 
but you can obtain this on the internet for about $60 a month. And I actually purchased some recently from uh, Europe for about $60. So what about omega-3 fatty acids? Well, omega-3 fatty acids um, is a group of polyunsaturated fatty acids which contain a double carbon bond at the third carbon atom from the methyl end of the carbon chain. Was that more than you needed to know? <laughs> so, you know, there have been a lot of studies that have addressed, have addressed the therapeutic effects of omega-3 polyunsaturated fatty acids uh, against different human diseases such as cardiovascular and neurodegenerative disease and cancer. And these studies have demonstrated the clinical utility and safety of these natural occurring substances. Furthermore, more recently, omega-3 fatty acids have been demonstrated to improve the outcome against certain types of cancer, improve the efficacy and tolerability of chemotherapy, and improve quality of life. Uh, it also improves the uh, cachexia, or the loss of appetite and weight loss that goes along with cancer. Now, there's a long discussion of why these things work, and I'm not going to go into that. You just need to read the monograph. So what are the types of cancer that omega-3 fatty acids may be beneficial for? Breast cancer, colorectal cancer, leukemia, gastric cancer, pancreatic cancer, esophageal cancer, prostate cancer, lung cancer, head and neck cancer. And uh, the monograph gives... Uh, documentation for all of these claims. And I don't have time to read the documentation. You'll have to read the monograph. What are the dosing? We, the suggested dose is two to four grams of omega-3 fatty acids daily. These fatty acids may increase the risk of bleeding and should be used cautiously in patients who are taking some kind of anticoagulant. The last one I'm going to, well, I got two more I want to talk about, and then we're going to have to wrap it up due to time. Berberine. Everybody asks me about berberine. They come in my medical office and ask about berberine. Uh, berberine and metformin can be used together, but you have to be careful because berberine can lower your blood sugar. Uh, and you may have to use these on alternating months because of that very reason. Berberine is useful for multiple different cancers such as breast, lung, gastric, liver, colorectal, ovarian, cervical, and prostate cancers. There are some randomized double-blind studies that demonstrate that berberine in a dose of 300 milligrams twice daily significantly reduced the risk of recurrent colorectal adenomas following polypectomy. So uh, a daily dose of 1,000 to 1,500 milligrams, uh, usually taking 500 milligrams two or three times uh, a day, is suggested. That doesn't, it doesn't really produce hypoglycemia, but they still recommend you should check your blood sugar and monitor it carefully. Berberine should not be taken in patients taking cyclosporine, which is an immunosuppressive drug, as that combination will increase cyclosporine levels. So that's an absolute contraindication. So like I say, this is one of those medicines that you should take in uh, conjunction with the advice of your family doctor. The last one I'm going to talk about is atorvastatin or simvastatin. 
Now, these are statin drugs that doctors prescribe for cholesterol management. And there are multiple clinical studies that show that statin drugs uh, are effective in treating multiple different cancers and reducing cancer-related mortality in those who are taking statins. All-cause mortality compared to non-users is uh, significantly improved. The types of cancers that it may be beneficial for is breast, prostate, colorectal, hepatocellular, lung, testicular, pancreatic, gastric, ovarian, leukemia, brain, and even kidney cancers. So there you go. Um, I think we're fixing to run out of time, but I just want to recommend to you the monograph by Dr. Merrick. I found it to be fascinating. Uh, I couldn't put it down. I read through the whole monograph as quickly as I could, and there was lots of information in there that I would not have been able to obtain really anywhere else. My patients come to see me wanting alternative modes of treatment for cancer. I tell them honestly that these treatment protocols and these repurposed drugs recommended by Dr. Merrick are to be taken in as an adjunctive protocol to traditional chemotherapy. He doesn't recommend these as standalone therapies. I understand that some of my patients are cynical and jaded as regard to many traditional medical therapies, including traditional chemotherapy. But Dr. Merrick is not recommending the repurposed drugs as standalone therapies. He recommends them as an add-on to chemotherapy or radiation. Patients have to make their own individual decisions about what kind of therapy they want. Many of these repurposed drugs require a, a family doctor's advice and recommendations. There are caveats with some of these medications, and so you need to find a family doctor who understands these medications and can help guide you uh, along the way. All right. Well, that's all we have for today. I appreciate your listening ears, and I pray that the Lord will bless you real good. I'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com.